0: This is how things go, though, Martin. This is what we do. This is who we are. We're dope as PR. We're dope as PR. And on that note, I would just like to say that I am very glad that um, box Gate 2017 is... Box gate. Yeah. Yep. Box gate. You know. Fair. <clears throat> who would have thought that a mid-2012 MacBook Air running VirtualBox could not use a webcam, and I just want to see on OSX Sierra exactly specifically on OSX Sierra, and this all, this combination of horrible and complicated factors have prevented me from seeing your beautiful face on Thank a computer you. monitor yeah. instead of in real life, which is exactly how I like it. Yeah, I like the proxy of the internet. It's actually kind of funny. We are using two screens, several miles of Ethernet. And fiber optic cable, I'm sure. Actually, thousands of miles of ethernet fiber optic cable. Uh, Internet backbones, many different routers, many different servers, and Skype itself to not have to turn my head 90 degrees to see you in the same room. It's kind of ridiculous when we think about it. Yes. (laughs) It's a little ridiculous, but we make do. We do make do. It's a hard
1: knock life, and sometimes you just got
0: to... You it's just the, the reality punches. of how the podcasting setup is. I was just talking to you earlier about potential other podcasts. Uh, I did see a podcast on YouTube one time where I guess they have like a dude with a roving camera as well as the audio feed, but all the co-hosts and the guests wear headsets and they look like Vince from the ShamWow commercial. Uh, but that is like that commercial. Well. Have you ever seen a picture of Vince from Wow? Maybe I have, and I don't know that his name is Vince. His name is Vince from Sham... Yeah, ShamWow. ShamWow Vince. Vince, Vince Offer. Um, I don't, His real name is Offer Shlomi? I don't know that I know that guy. I think that's a really good last name for a pitch man. Vince Offer. Yeah. Have you never seen this picture?
1: It I don't like remember. The dude it.
0: holding up the Wow, and he's got like the headset on. They all kind of look like that. I mean, they're not holding up Wows; They're just holding up... Well, nothing. Shamcast. Let's get. It's not a sham. Let's get the Shamwow guy on the podcast. Okay. I don't want to do that. (laughs) How would you say your experience selling the slap chop compares to the Shamwow? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say is we have other options that we could explore in the future, but for now we're going to stick with this weird, roundabout, convoluted Skype system. Because my mic is affixed to my desk and uh, I need to look at the computer screen. Yep. Because of that reason. Yep. I can't move my chair. There's too much stuff in this room. But yeah, we got some questions to answer this week. Um, And I just had the thought popped in my brain to tell, oh, you know what? That's fine. I can do that. So the, the thought popped into my brain to tell people about the new YouTube channel. And then I was like, oh, but this podcast episode won't go up on that channel until April something, but that doesn't matter because people are listening to the audio feed and that's who I want to know about this. So yes, if you are listening to the audio feed, which means you're probably listening to this episode, uh, what, like March 6th or roundabouts there because that's when it comes out on the audio feed, uh, we now have a YouTube channel for the College Info Geek podcast. And if you happen to be the kind of person who wants to listen to the podcast on YouTube, Then you can do that. We'll have a link in the show notes. And um, we're going to be posting the episodes from episode 100 onward daily until we get up to date. And I decided to start with episode 100 because, number one, we have custom thumbnails that Anna has made for us since episode 100. And also, some of the older episodes are rough. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just say that. They're rough. They get
1: get better with time.
0: (laughs) I did not have the same level of communication skill. I've updated that every time I get new points you know to spend on my character. Just dump that into podcasting skill so episode one I mean you're free to go back and listen to it here on the audio feed, but I've decided uh because it takes about an hour to render every single episode because they're like hour long video files, each one is two and a half gigs about and It takes me a lot of like little tiny steps to get every single one. I figured starting at 100 would give me 50. They're like 50 of the best because they're 50 of the latest. I've got good thumbnails for them. So we're starting at episode 100 and we're going from there. And it's a nice even number. Yeah, it is. I think it's a nice even number. Yeah. And um, my OCD brain gets to know that every video on the channel will have good artwork and not just some random template image boilerplate thing. Yeah, looks kind of cool all together. I know, right? I'm really excited for maybe in like two weeks from now when we see a few rows of videos and it's all just, because I don't think we've ever really seen that art in one place. We should make the podcast page look like that instead. I honestly have wanted to do that. And whenever we get around to doing like minor redesign stuff, that's one of the things on on like the top of my list is redo the podcast page to use that art and just do like a grid of three. Basically, it would look like the YouTube channel. And I also want to have a videos page on the website at some point that does pretty much the same thing. I think the blog kind of way of displaying information is a little bit old and outdated. Yeah. I'm not sure if it matters these days. And maybe that's because my brain has been so steeped in the YouTube UI for several years now. But I just personally, I don't feel like having a four or five paragraph excerpt on the blog page is really all that needed. I think a picture and a headline is enough. Well,
1: people share things without even reading the actual content. So, I mean, a catchy headline is already pretty good content.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think the the blog page with the excerpt kind of came out of newspaper design, but people aren't reading newspapers anymore. They're reading Twitter headlines and Reddit headlines and YouTube thumbnails. So we will probably be looking at transitioning over to a, a style like that in the future. But for now, the uh, College Info Geek Podcast YouTube channel is up. And hey, if you're listening to this and you want to support this show, um, go over to YouTube and subscribe to that channel, actually. Because you know we can, I want to grow that channel as quickly as we possibly can. And I'm actually hoping that the YouTube channel version of the podcast will help us get new listeners because we'll be able to take advantage of that YouTube algorithm which we don't really get through podcasting. Live and die by the algorithm. Live and dance for the algorithm. This is the life of a warrior. Algorithm will dispense pellets if you continue to dance for algorithm.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I hope it's at completely differing intervals so that I don't know when dancing is going
0: to work or not. Well, yeah, of course. We have to get you addicted. Yeah. And addiction comes through uncertainty. Ooh. Yeah. You ever read those stories about like rodents? Yeah. And how they like dispense the pellets? At- yeah, you probably know those. Yep. Yep. I love psychology classes. I forgot what book I read that in. Oh, it's in The Power of Habit. Cause oh, really? It's talking about... Yeah, I think it was talking about um, the chapter where the woman got addicted to gambling. And I think that was in The Power of Habit. It might have been in a different book. I'm not sure. I now. haven't read that one. I don't know. But I think it was in that book. Yeah, and uh, it was talking about all these studies they'd done with animals, but also how they've observed um, humans in the way that, that casinos design their slot machines and such where if you do the action and there's an uncertainty after you've already gotten the reward a few times, uh, that uncertainty is actually what creates a lot of the addiction. Yeah. Because if it just never comes, like it's very easy to break that addiction. But if it comes sometimes, uh, then it does, which is why games like Candy Crush and Puzzle and Dragons and all those are so addictive because they use all of those psychology tactics to basically be like, yeah, you're probably gonna get a really cool monster or really cool, I I don't even know what they give in Candy Crush. I've know. never played it, and no I idea. never intend to. I could stop fishing
1: now, but what if in 30 seconds, I was about to catch the fish of my life? Yeah. You don't know.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I guess I kind of did that as a kid with uh, the slot machine game in Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Trying to get well, coins for a Porygon.
1: It was trying to make you yep. an addict.
0: Mm, complimentary gambling addiction for every Pokemon fan out there. Yay. Thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> All right, so we got some questions this week um, varied nature. So let's just dive into these before I ramble too long and make you edit for 10 hours on end. Ooh, that would be a very long episode. It would be. Yeah. So first question we got this week is, um, let's see, let's say I often meet new people and I make pretty good connections at small social gatherings, but I'm bad at following up or reconnecting with those people later as an introvert reaching, uh, reaching out, takes a lot of energy and I tend to put it off as long as possible. So do you have any ideas for how I can do that better? Good question. I want to hear what you do, actually, because I have some ideas. But okay,
1: so I have, I have a few things taken from different points in time. Okay. One, I once read a blog post about somebody using Trello boards to keep track of when they talk to their friends. Yeah. And that's the one I remember the least of, but I can link to it, and I thought that was cool. I was going to talk about that. So if you oh, remember, oh, good. Maybe you'll not much. I'll talk that. about it. Um, there's a system that I used myself uh, sometime last year where there's this app called Momentum and you can use it for daily habits. And it's got a little grid where you just, you click that you did the habit and it fills the grid with a color and it works on iOS. Mm -hmm. And essentially, instead of putting habits there for a little bit, just to see what, what I naturally did, I put the names of all the friends I would visit and I checked them off when I saw them so that I could see a grid that was like, oh, I haven't seen him in like, nine days but i see this guy all the time mm. so i could keep track of it in a more visual way
0: now how did you remember to check up? like every time you hung out with a friend you'd go in and say i hung out with this friend or was it like a i would just before I mean, bed habit like oh i saw clyde today check i saw tom today check that kind of thing yeah yeah it's
1: okay. like you know as with any sort of habit system or to-do system your personal habit of checking it is the make or break thing yeah it makes it work but I would just swipe over to the little appy section, I don't remember what it's called, on my phone, and then check it off. And then I could see a grid of who I've been ignoring on accident.
0: Okay. How, how many people did you put in that? Like 10. Okay, so you kept it to like your good friends pretty much. Good friends and who
1: are in the area. Gotcha. Because I'm going to keep up to date with the people that aren't in the area, but I can't visit them on a day-to-day basis. So seeing a grid like that's not really helpful because most of the time that it's going to be few and far between. Yeah. And uh, so I did that and I thought that was cool. And Maybe I'll I'll link to the app or get a screenshot or something if what I've said isn't clear. But what I've been doing lately is simply when I think of somebody, I just text them immediately Mm, instead of questioning it and putting it off. So if I'm like, I haven't hung out with Jake in a while. I will just immediately text Jake. And if I can't think of anything clever to say, I'll just text their name in all caps or some nonsense because it turns out it's not that hard to start a conversation with people you already know.
0: Yeah, that's very true.
1: Yeah, and then it kind of accidentally fumbles its way into
0: being social. And that led to us having lunch with our good friend Haley. Yep. Last month, was it? Two months ago? Yeah, just don't hesitate. If you build it up to be some big thing, it's harder to do. Yeah, and we hadn't seen her in a while. And then you were like, you know what? We haven't talked to Haley in a while. Hey, let's get sushi. Bam. You know that was
1: great. That is how I've been trying to keep up with people in my introverted,
0: really capable of staying inside all day on accident. Yeah, I've got a few things I can talk about. I think the first thing I want to talk about was what you already referenced, which was that Trello system. So that was created by my friend Tyler Trevorin, And I don't I don't remember if he changed um, the name of his site. I think it's Riskology. Let Let me check real quick. Riscology. Yeah, Riscology.co. And um, I'm not gonna look the article up because I remember it, but you can go, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's really cool basically. What he does is he's got a list in Trello for every month. And that way, um, he's got all of his friends basically like in a list. So let's just say that you know it all starts at this month, which is February, as we record this. So I put all my friends as a card in that month list. Then every month I would create a new list for that month and bring it to the far left so it's the current thing. And then whenever he had an interaction with one of his friends, he would move them to the current month. Or maybe he did it by week, I can't remember. But basically that would allow him to visually see kind of like what you were doing with momentum. Oh, I haven't had any interactions with this person since October. So, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spend this afternoon Going through and touching base with all the people that I care about who I haven't talked to in a while, and then he would just update it by dragging their card to the current month. Yeah. So basically, kind of like the momentum thing, just basically a system just zoomed of out a little visually, bit so that yeah. it's not by day by day. Um. So that's a good system for introverts. I think it's it can be very useful. Personally, I tried it and it, it just didn't work out for me because I would I do a lot of systems and then I like I, I drop the ball on actually tracking the system. So, and that's like a productivity problem, not like a social problem, but uh, it is something you can try. One thing that I've been doing is I've been booking an extra day after events when I travel, because one of my biggest problems with um, following up is I will meet a ton of people at a conference, I'll get all their business cards, or I'll have a note on my iPhone just like telling me like, okay, I need to ask this person about this thing, I need to email this dude to thank him about his presentation, email this person to thank them for you know the coffee date or whatever happened and then I'll go home and because I've been traveling, there's a million little fires to put out and then I gotta get back on the ball with content. And because I'm in my natural environment, the context of being at home is do my content, put up my fires and eventually relax and hang out for the day and I constantly will push off doing my follow ups until it's like a month later and I haven't emailed anybody and then it's really awkward. So now I'll just book an extra day at whatever event that I'm at and I'll use that extra day to do all the follow ups immediately after the conference. So all the details are fresh in my mind. Uh, I get an email to them before a lot of other people do. And it gets off my plate.
1: Cool. which yeah, helps. That's probably a good idea, because the more you put it off, the more you're going to be like, yeah, well, now it's kind of weird. I haven't emailed them in a while. I, I got to have something good to say or yep. I don't quite remember this. So I don't want to make guesses about their personal life. Mm hmm. So one thing I I will do harder than you need to
0: when I'm at the event, like when I get a free moment, maybe after the conversation happens or when I'm just kind of in the bathroom or something, I'll pull out my phone and I always have just a note in iOS notes about like everything going on at the conference. So it's just like one kind of brain dump of like, all right, I need to email this guy, Eric, I met about his hiring process and I want to email Antonio about this topic, you know, all these things. Um, I'll also mix that in with just things I want to do. So, it's more of like a brain dump of everything happening at the event, less about just meeting people, but it does help me to consolidate what all needs to be done. And then I can turn it into tasks or I can follow up people, that kind of thing. Um, Another thing I could do that I've been doing, and this is a gargantuan task because of the amount of people I know, I've been using a website called Airtable to basically make a personal CRM. And we talked about this in the episode with Tam Pham on how to land your dream internship. So we'll put that in the show notes. But CRM basically stands for customer relationship management. And companies use this to keep tabs on their customers, make sure they're reaching out to people they haven't talked to in a while, or maybe who haven't bought in a while. And just keep those relationships active. And you can use the same concept in your life. And the way that I've been doing it is by using this Airtable app, which is a lot like, Excel or Google Sheets. So I basically have a row for every person. So I've got Martin baby right here. I've got like a picture, I just pulled that from Twitter. I've got their Twitter, their email, their website. And the important things for me are I've got some tags. So for Martin, I have web dev, I have languages, I have SEO, and I have a location. So what these will eventually do for me when I get this fully flushed out with all the people that I know is number one, if I have somebody reach out to me who's like, hey who do you know who's really good at foreign languages? Or who do you know who's a great web developer? I'll be able to go into my personal CRM, I'll be able to click my web dev tag and see who do I know who's a great web developer who might be a good person to connect this other person with so I can be the connector. And my friend Tam is like amazing at this. He's super good, he's probably the best person I've ever met at being a connector and making sure to reach out and touch points or touch base. And then with the location, uh, location is important because when I travel, I can sort all my contacts by where they're located. And if I happen to be going to a city where some friends are, I can think, oh, hey, I'm going to be in town. Why don't I email them and we'll do coffee or something?
1: Yeah, that's cool. And it, it'll be easier not to forget like one person
0: on accident who could feel <laughs> really left out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that can be an interesting thing to do. It's It's definitely, at least with the location thing, more useful for me because I meet so many people in so many cities. And maybe if you're, building more of a local network, you don't need something like that, but it at least gives you a visual representation of who you know. Uh, The other couple of things I had in mind, number one, if you get the urge to talk to somebody or somebody pops into your mind, and maybe it's an inopportune time to reach out to them, like when you're driving. This happens to me all the time. Uh, If you have an iPhone, you could just be like, hey Siri, remind me tomorrow, to reach out to that guy. And Siri just, <laughs> I said it and actually turned on my phone right now. Yeah, well, I guess you're gonna have to reach out to that guy tomorrow. I guess so, whoever that guy is. Yeah, but basically you can use iOS reminders to basically create a list that you can talk to, or talk to create, and then come back to it later. I love Siri reminders, like it's it's the best. And uh, the other one is to use their birthdays as a good reason to reach out. Um, I know personally, I think I've got my Facebook birthdays integrated into my Google calendar. So whenever I look at my calendar for the week, I can see, oh, these guys have birthdays coming up. Maybe I'll text them. And with people that I want to have a particularly good relationship with, I will not use Facebook to say happy birthday because I think everyone uses Facebook and it's you're just kind oh, of part yeah. of the herd. I only do that if I'm if
1: I'm sending a Facebook message, not posting on their wall.
0: Yeah, I don't really do the posting on the wall thing because nobody sees
1: it. And Facebook, Facebook doesn't they, even show they, you. They group it, it now. Says seventeen people did this, and you're like, "Oh, that's cool." I yeah, don't feel like figuring out who all the seventeen were, but cool.
0: F- Facebook wall birthday message have, be- have messages have it's become like now. utterly unspecial at this point. So, but note their birthdays, and using Facebook is a good idea to know when they are, and then if you really want to be a baller, send them a card. Or at least give them a call or send them a text message. Keep that interaction on a one-to-one basis. So that's what I got for that question. Unless you have anything else, we will move on to the next one. I guess the only other thing I'd have to say about that is
1: uh, don't feel weird about having a system to manage your social life. If people are like, Mm. what are you, a robot? You won't remember to talk to me without a system. (laughs) You putting them in a system because you know you're not good at reaching out actually just means that they're important to you. So don't let people get all offended by that.
0: I think we may have talked about that. Oh, you know what? God, I almost forgot about this. Tyler Trevorin was on my show, and the title of that episode... Maybe that's why I know about that system. Yeah, the title of that episode is Making Friends and Connections as an Introvert. So huh. that may be nice. something for you to go listen to after this if you want to learn more. I from straight from Tyler's mouth, so we'll put that in the show notes. And the other thing we'll put in the show notes is my friend Stefano... He had a guest post on the site which was all about how to network as an introvert and it was really, really detailed and great. So cool. we'll have those in the show notes, check them out if you are curious and let's move on to this next question here. So the next question is, I noticed that for your post on brain enhancing music, you mentioned it took around two full weeks of research to get that post ready for publishing. So I was thinking about writing about air quality and how it affects productivity and health. And uh, what I wanna know is, how much research should I do on the entire topic before starting a blog? Or should I simply research enough for one post at a time? So I guess, and, and it looks like the title you have for this episode is do you have to be an expert to start a blog? So I, can't, I guess this is the kind of question yes. for that. Yep. Um, I don't think you have to be an expert because like when you start a blog, you're usually not positioning yourself as an expert right away you're positioning yourself as somebody who is curious about the topic, who's sharing some information about it, but unless you're starting your blog post out with like, I am a scientist who is the utmost authority on this topic. Like, I don't know, most blogs I've seen, it's pretty clear that, hey, I'm just a guy like you or a girl like you, and I'm sharing what I've learned, and I'm doing you know my best to be accurate, but obviously I can't know everything. So that brain music post was an anomaly for me. I usually don't spend that much time researching for an episode like that. But uh, the reason that I I spent so much time on that one is because I had actually met the founders of Brain FM, and uh, I really wanted to do a video about it. And I've been talking to them and there was like all this stuff. So I was like, I, I started digging into the research and it was so complicated. And I really wanted to be as thorough as I possibly could because they were actually offering me a partnership deal. And I was like, all right, well, if we want to do a partnership, like I need to be sure that like, I know my position on all the science and like the exact effectiveness of stuff like this. Like it works for me, but what can I say about the science? I don't know. So it was kind of out of like a, if I'm going to endorse a product, I need to know like to what level I can endorse it. Yeah, Can I actually say like there's science behind this? Like what do I say about the state of the science? And what do I say about how much it works for me? You know, so I did so much research because I felt like, I was actually potentially going to be putting my stamp of approval on a product, so that's why that that post is like insane. And I don't think there's a single post on College Info Geek that has as many references and research links and things like that. It was like it was yeah, I went crazy doing that post. So don't think you have to do that if you want to start a blog about anything, even if it's scientific. You know, write about the sources you've been able to find, uh, challenge your own beliefs. Go try to find alternative sources and alternative points of view that disagree with what you currently believe. Uh, But eventually, you're gonna have to come to a conclusion and maybe you can just say like, I'm not the definitive source of information on this topic, this is just what I've learned at this point and I reserve the right to change my opinion when new data comes in, but here's what I've been able to learn in the limited amount of time that I've had to research this topic. You know, it's it's a tough question.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd say for the most part, people who are blogging end up learning how to become an expert by doing the research they do and by writing. Mm-hmm. It's not like this. Most people aren't going to start out as an expert. I learned a lot about language learning because I was like, that's a cool idea I should think about and research so that I can write about it. And therefore, wanting to write about it made me better at it. So if I yeah. if you wait till you're uh, fully knowledgeable in an entire section of thought before you write anything, someone else is going to beat you to it.
0: Yep. And uh, another thing I'll note here is I have actually issued retractions on things I've wrote written in the past, and I've done like updated pieces of content that actually debunk or override older things. The best example I can think of right now is I did the, uh, the video on whether or not you should change answers on an exam if you aren't sure. So like, you know, there's the common wisdom, which is that, uh, what is it? I think it's that you shouldn't change Yeah, the common wisdom is like, you should never change an answer on an exam because you're probably gonna change it to a wrong answer, so don't do it. And professors have been telling students this for years. Uh, And then I went and found the research which actually showed that students who change their answers when they're unsure were right more of the time than they were wrong. Not always, but you had a greater probability of changing from a wrong to a right answer than vice versa. So I made that video and then later, I think it was the next year or maybe the same year, some research came out by a guy named Justin Couchman, who I had on the podcast where they used a new technique where they had people actually rate their confidence on an answer in the moment uh, when they were answering it. And by doing that, they were able to score even higher. So basically, like there is no longer definite advice on whether to change or not change the actual best practice is to rate your confidence on the answer the moment you put it down and then only change answers that you were unsure on that you had a low confidence rating um, later on. So actually, I was like, I'm wrong on that one,
1: you know? Yeah, so you certainly don't need to be an expert. Just,
0: I would say, research for one post at a time. That's fine. Yeah, exactly, you know? And one thing that's nice is like, if you, you know, you start a blog and you get a little bit of work under your belt, like that gives you a little bit of credibility to maybe reach out to sources in the future, The practice you're going to get writing about the topic and doing the research is going to be able to enable you to do better research later on. It ironically qualifies you more to do what you're already doing. It does. Yeah. I would not have thought to go do specific kinds of research when I was a beginner. I just, they would have never crossed my mind. And maybe that's because I don't have a journalism background. So maybe I was never taught to do certain things, but through the practice of writing and publishing and getting feedback on my work, now I know what to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you know enough to share with people, remember that as long as you know more about the topic than your target audience, you're an expert to them.
0: Yeah, man, nuance is tough. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, a couple of things came into my life recently that made me like think about how how much I value nuance and whether that's valuable or not. So I was watching something by Gary Vaynerchuk where he was talking about how uh, definitive statements are much better at inspiring action so he knows that you know he might say facebook is better than instagram for x and he knows like obviously there are nuanced cases where instagram is better than facebook or you know neither of them is good and there's all this nuanced detail you can go into but that causes analysis paralysis so his style is to just be like no go use facebook and at least in his mind that's gonna that's going to result in a better outcome for more people.
1: So don't like put wishy-washy asterisks at the end of every sentence you say.
0: So exactly. Like,
1: well, this is true, except for in these 98 very particular <laughs> circumstances that I will now explain to you, making you confused and giving up on the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, precisely. And then over on uh, Scott Young's blog, and I'm trying to find it. looks like he posted a huge article on his front page. Um, here it is, yeah. And we can link to this in the show notes. Scott Young has an article called simplicity beats nuance why the wrong answer can often beat the correct one and it's just another thing about how nuanced uh, positions are more difficult to falsify because complex theories are harder to disprove and more explanations or like more data will fit into a complex explanation because you can just tweak the little nuanced points whereas a a simpler model may not be as... Detailed or as precise, but it's more easily falsifiable and again It's easier to take action on because you you can be like that's wrong or that's right So I struggle with that, you know, especially with answering podcast questions here and answering questions in my videos I I get stuck when I have a tough question. That's nuanced because I'm like at what level should I stop being nuanced and just say go do this or do that or like this is wrong or this is right you know yeah i don't know because if you know if i spend three hours talking about every single edge case and as a rationalist who understands how we kind of like box things up and put labels on things you can go down an infinite rabbit hole with any topic ever like where do you stop and where do you just like take a hard line stance and say do this do that i don't know i don't know He's
1: just <laughs> wing it we're all winging it jeff winger
0: yeah I took a political test early in 2016, and I couldn't finish it because for every question I was like, oh, because you weren't willing was to like, simplify these choices aren't precise enough. Yeah. I could think of 10 scenarios where my my, you know, first thought position would be wrong. It's like, you know, what what's your what's your stance on immigration policy? Well, were they born here and? All this point and that point and that point like i don't where know the, where it's the answers so tough. are just like it's good or it's bad yeah this is why i could never be a politician because they'd be like make a decision and i'd be like i need more data and then the time to make the decision is now past. you yeah. know <laughs> yeah you just got to go with your gut no you. Don't. i have to do a lot of that with being a business person you know like i have to make decisions based on data that i may not be totally sure about uh but it's tough you know and it is especially nerve-wracking and gives me anxiety when i'm giving people information that they're going to potentially go like make life altering decisions with. And there's all this nuance. So I don't know.
1: We'll just put an asterisk at the end of every title of every episode and it'll say
0: (laughs) or don't or don't. I don't know. Yeah. All that all that to say um, we're doing our best. And I, I really do think very hard and try to give the best answers on this podcast and on everything I do. But it's it's hard and I will never not be hard, ever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, the last question. Actually, this one's easy. You, you, throw me a, you threw me an easy one. Oh, yeah. Thanks for throwing underhanded, Martin, on this one. No problem. Though, actually, now that I saw it underhanded, I did see a, a animated, what is it, GIF or GIF? I can't even remember anymore. I don't care. I did see a GIF Pronounce recently. Pronounce a GIF, make everybody mad. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, I saw a GIF the other day. Yeah. Uh, like Guy Fieri. Yeah, it was gif fieri <laughs> <laughs> Of a, it was like what happens when a softball player plays dodgeball and it's just this this girl uh, who's a softball pitcher and she's just playing dodgeball, whipping it underhand and just like knocking other people over and the dude holding the camera is just laughing. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah, maybe, those, uh, maybe underhanded is not the right word here. Anyway, question is, could you talk about what kind of music you personally use when working, if any? Uh, because that's something I've struggled with with finding... For a while, things like classical music have too many layers, which lead to me to getting distracted. So I need something different. So yeah, Martin, what kind of music do you listen to? Well, when you work or study,
1: um, sometimes I listen to Brain FM. I like Brain FM. Mm-hmm. I think it, it works pretty well for me. Although I listen to that more when meditating or reading than working. Um, okay. So for music. If it's got any lyrics, usually I'm looping the same song over and over because for me, personally, lyrics all latch onto them, especially foreign lyrics or rap lyrics because it's complicated mm. and I want to understand it all, so it will immediately distract me. So if you li- loop the same song over and over, you're hearing the same words, so they become less important unlike the third Just turns into, like mush. Or I loop the specific album, Red and Tooth and Claw by Bats, for Focus Emergencies because for mm. some reason, that particular album just... Is the best thing for me if I want to focus. It got me through a 12 hour coding marathon, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., finishing a huge project once. And nice. it didn't even like phase me. So that's awesome. That's my answer. I don't think I have an emergency focus album. Yeah, I try not to listen to it too often so that I don't dilute its effects. Okay. But it's either Stuff, usually without lyrics, Brain FM, or That
0: Bats album. Interesting. I also use Brain FM. And I, know, I think you use it differently than I do because you typically, weren't you telling me like you go to the detailed selection screen and you actually like pick the type of music that seems to fit what you're reading or something like that? Yeah, when I'm reading. Okay, so you like you pick Not the when forest I'm one when if I'm it's working, like a fantasy thing. Focus. So I almost always just hit focus. I almost never go pick a specific channel. I just hit focus and I go with what it gives me and it almost always works well. Uh, I haven't used the relaxation tracks or sleep tracks but the focus tracks do work well for me. I also have my study music playlist on YouTube, which you can find by going to collegeinfogeek.com slash playlist. And I use that at least once or twice a week to work with. So it's really just, it's my work playlist as well. And then depending on the kind of work, like if I'm just, I don't know, doing something really manual or rote, I can listen to almost everything. Uh, But before I go into that, I have to give a disclaimer here, my brain, is really weird when it comes to music and like, Anna doesn't understand me because let's see what we, Oh, so we were listening to a song by the used called cry, which was on my discover weekly the other day. And apparently it's really emo It has like really emo dumb lyrics. And Anna was like making fun of them the first time she heard them. She's like, this is the most emo song I've ever heard. This is, have you listened to these lyrics? And I'm like, no, What, what do they say? I will get to the point where I can sing a song word for word and I still don't know what they're saying. So maybe you could work to rap unlike me. Yeah. Like I know every single word of rap God, but I probably haven't thought for more than 30 seconds about like what any of the jokes or references or anything or wordplay means. Because for me, and I don't know why my brain is this way, but words in music are just another instrument. Like I just naturally, I do not think about the actual meaning behind the words when I am listening to music. It's all just the interplay between the syllables and the notes and the frequencies and like on the percussion, all the instruments, like it's just another element to the music. That does explain a lot about your music taste. It does because that I think that's why I like drum and bass and metalcore and stuff so much because it's so complex and there's so much going on and my brain just loves that kind of stuff. I think that's why I like DDR so much it's just really complex crazy gameplay but yeah I don't I don't hear words even though i love to sing them I don't hear them so unless I'm writing and even sometimes when I'm writing I can listen to basically everything uh, and I've got like my workout playlist I will put my workout playlist which is just full of like a metalcore and screamo and all kinds of stuff I'll put it on when I'm working sometimes wow you're very flexible for a music focus then yeah yeah, I don't get it. But uh, if you're not weird like me, my suggestions would be try Brain.fm out and we have a link that you can use to get a one month trial. And disclaimer, if you do subscribe to it afterwards, we get money for that, which is a good way to support. Oh, you know what? I didn't even know that. We do, yeah. Which actually I should mention that uh, I did all that research for the Brain FM or the, for the Brain music video and then used it regularly ever since then. And I've come to the conclusion now that, yeah, I, I find it to be helpful in the long term which means that at least for me it is not placebo effect there's actually something about it that does work for me so i recommend it you know i recommend at least trying it and that's that's why i asked them i was like hey can i get a month-long trial link for my readers because i i don't think that seven sessions is enough to determine whether or not it's placebo effect for you i think you need like a long period of time to evaluate something like that um so we'll have that link in the show notes I think it's collegeinfogeek.com slash go slash brainfm if you want it now. And then the other thing is my playlist, which we'll also have linked up in the show notes. I have tailored that thing to be useful for almost anyone. And I don't think there's a whole lot of like really complex classical music in it. Um, but if there is on the playlist page, you'll also find some additional music sources. And one of the links there is like to a very soft piano playlist which is just one single piano so you could try that out as well and then on spotify there's a guy who has i think it's called the superior work playlist it used to be called superior study playlist it might be superior work now because the dude has graduated and changed it but we can find that link it up in the show notes and that's also a very good playlist that is very different than mine so check those show notes out you can find them over at cigpodcast.com 149 and other than that, I think we are done with this episode. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I ran eight minutes over our counter. Sorry, Martin. That's fair. For the extra eight minutes of editing. But, uh, you know, we had to talk about nuance. Yeah. And um, nuance is a very nuanced topic. Yeah. Who knew? And we had to talk about Gate, 2017. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, a great way to do it is to go write a review on iTunes. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast and you happen to use an iPhone, you can subscribe through iTunes. If you happen to use an Android device, you can use the Google Play app, I believe. Uh, Or if you want to, you can just subscribe to that new YouTube channel and listen to the podcast on YouTube if you're the kind of person who doesn't like to do podcasts on the go, driving, running, fighting ninjas, whatever. Other than that, we will see you in next week's episode and stay cute.